Hey, 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 welcome to another new episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's episode. Tonight, we're going to go and do a little special discussion review about Barack Obama's new autobiography, A Promised Land, and so much more coming up with the week. Hope you guys go ahead and stay and enjoy it and stay comfortable. This is The Midnight Drop. Let's get it. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off with this brand new episode of the Midnight Drop. Glad you guys can go ahead and make it again. We're going to go ahead and do a discussion and review of Barack Obama's new autobiography, A Promised Land. And I got to tell you, I'm so glad to uh, finish this book at the time that I did. Um, This book took a long time to get done. I really thought that I was going to have to extend or push this whole episode back uh, into the beginning of next year, 2021. Because this book was about 768 pages long. And with all the stuff that I was doing at the time of reading this book, I really just felt like uh, it was really long for what it was. But again, this was a memoir, an autobiography of Barack Obama's first four years of his presidency. Uh, Yeah, and I'm really excited to uh, come here and talk to you guys about it, really discuss about it, what I liked, what I didn't like, and kind of connect some things to some stuff that I thought was interesting in today's world and just kind of like look back at the last, you know, beginning uh, beginnings of his presidential career. Uh, in the beginning, before reading this book, uh, Barack Obama was an inspiration to me, but I have to come clean. I have to be honest. I didn't know so much about him. I only read about him when it came to a magazine or where it was like a textbook or anything like that growing up in like, you know, middle school and high school and stuff like that. Uh, I watched the news about him. Uh, You know, I watched State of the Union addresses, you know, with my family, as all black families did around that time of his presidency. And I didn't know too much about him. And there was a lot of questions I wanted to ask. I wanted to know more about how did he handle the financial crisis and how did he like approach it? How did he leave from it? What does he think about it after, you know, eight years? What really 12 years to be exact? Uh, How does he feel about tackling, you know, situations of racism in America? Because there's a lot of people that felt as if that 
he was a very much of disappointing president because he was black, but he didn't really do a lot for black people. That's what a lot of people tell me. That's what a lot of people tell me. That's what a lot of people say nowadays. Um, how did he feel regarding trying to push the whole globalization effort, you know, to the entire world, including to foreign countries like Russia, China, you know, Europe, you know, stuff like that. I really wanted to know all these different questions and know more. Yes, I'm for real about it. This isn't some shit that I made up. You know, when you really think about it, you want some answers. You you grow up, you start, you know, when you start to have this level of growth in terms of your mindset, you start to want, know, want to know more about stuff you grew up with. And Barack Obama's presidency is one of those things. So to kind of kick things off, this book was started. Oh, man, this book was made. Well, it was in conception after his presidency like all great presidents they just start to make a book about how they felt about their full presidential term and he kept this book going and released i believe three weeks ago um i had only known about the book two weeks before its release date i knew people who knew about this for years and it was like they waiting on that damn book like they were waiting on avengers infinity war and endgame all those years and you know, I was, again, interested in wanting to read the book. I was interested in wanting to figure out some things and answer these questions by reading through his uh, detailed notes in his memoir. And I remember downloading the book into Audible. I use Audible. It's around, I think the listening time was like 26 to 27 hours. And, you know, it took me three weeks again to read this book. And there's about seven parts, 27 chapters to be exact. And I have to say, man, after reading this book, I very much came with came out of there with a smile. Uh, there are some things that, you know, I was a little bit annoyed about, but and I still have a little bit more questions. Uh, but overall, I think this book really met my expectations and in some parts it exceeded it. Some parts it just met, you know, it didn't barely make them. It didn't, it, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't below my expectations. I thought everything about this book was pretty good. And uh, I want to go ahead and get started with just kind of just giving you a quick rundown of the book. So parts one through seven. Again, there are seven parts. Part one is basically talking about, you know, the beginning of his of his life, how he, you know, viewed the world, America specifically in terms of race, class, you know, wealth, ethnicity, uh, just government and how we can do better for the American people. He then goes in talking about, you know, how he got into college, what motivated him to get into politics, you know, what certain things he did before getting into politics and why he stopped doing them and why he doesn't really advocate them for that much. Uh, just like it was like grassroots campaigning and fundraising and all that stuff. Uh, he talks about, you know, his life with Michelle Obama when he first met her, you know talks about the beginning of his of his career going into politics those are the things that were said in part one in part two it goes into his race in the presidential campaign uh in 2008 about how he faced against john mccain and hillary clinton he goes in talking about you know the emergence of sarah palin about you know re republican pundits talking about him and later on down the road kind of transitions it with him winning presidency and then going on about the financial crisis Part three, and then throughout, 
is really just about his first four years of presidency, where we get to know about how he tackled the financial crisis, how he tackled bringing the troops back uh, back home from Afghanistan, how he wanted to push the globalization effort into the entire world, into certain foreign countries, how he felt about certain foreign countries, how Obamacare. That was very important for a couple of chapters. Obamacare. Uh, he really goes into talking about uh, racism in America. And then on and on and on. And then the book kind of ends with just an outlook into his next four years about how he's to go for re-election. And also uh, how he was able to manage to kill Osama bin Laden uh, in that whole situation uh, all them years ago. So that's a quick rundown of the book. And... Kind of the first things to take away from it, if there was a part that I really liked that blew me away, was the first two parts. I'm not going to lie. You would think that it'd be in the middle of the book or towards the end that blew me away. But I think the first two parts of the book really hit home for me because you really get to know about his life in the beginning, about how his, you know, how his personal life was in Hawaii, how he wasn't very interested in politics in the beginning, you know, what motivated him to get to college. And it was basically just books like books helped him out a whole lot. And that's why he's so interested into making so many books throughout his life. Um, knowing about how he was just a monk in college was very much interesting about how he looks back into his younger years. And he's just like, there are so many things that I do kind of regret that I want to change. You know, he doesn't regret himself becoming so into politics or trying to learn how to get with people or trying to learn his identity. But at the same time, he did feel as if that he wasn't letting himself become loose around other people, that he was just really just a stickler for patience, for virtue, for finding the recipe to solve all the problems of America. And he looks back at that and says, I do kind of regret that because, yes, I want to change America. I have this grandmaster plan on the future of my future career path. But at the same time, I have to realize that I have to have fun. And that really hit a core with me. Not a whole lot like the stuff I'm going to talk about later on, but it did because I was that person for like the first couple of years of my college career. And to be honest, I still kind of am a little bit. And that is some of the stuff I do regret a little bit. Uh, my four years of college and uh just hearing the president say that i was just like damn like you was hard nose into your books into your studies and you're just like yeah i want to go hard into it uh the parts about him talking about michelle obama really really were cool we were really really cool i mean throughout this book we get to know more about him and and Michelle's relationship with each other about how they first met, about how they just kept loving each other. And they just had these really cute moments, you know, when, you know, their children came into the picture, you know, throughout his presidency. I thought that was really dope. I thought the beginning parts of their relationship in this book in parts one and two were fucking dope. Um, You really just see Michelle's and Barack's relationship get kind of rocky when it comes to Barack trying to get into his whole career path, trying to be a politician, trying to win these big political games in the state of Illinois and just trying to do his best. And there are so many things, there are so many roadblocks that come in between them that it puts a strain in their relationship. And it's only just the beginning because he does go into presidency. So you kind of get like a snapshot or just a foreshadowing of what's to come for these two guys, these two people. (laughs) 
And uh, I thought it was cool. But the one thing that really set it off for me was his relationship with his political team, his campaign team, and his family. Uh, his campaign team uh, really, really is existent throughout this entire book. And he really hits it home with how much he credits people uh, for his election campaign to just people that he's met throughout his life, to his best friends since high school and college, to uh, key politicians that really hit it home for him, that believed in his message. And I felt as if that uh, he really wasn't talking about himself so much. He was just talking about other people. And I felt like that's something that I loved about Barack Obama uh, so, so much. That he cares about other people and he gives credit where credit is due. Something that you don't see nowadays from leaders anywhere else. That's like the true trait of a leader. Giving credit to people where credit is due. And giving them the thanks to helping you get to that next step in your life that you so much wanted to get to. And I thought that was dope. Uh, but the whole family part, just talking about his mother, his father... His grandmother, his grandfather, really that that give you a bigger perspective of just his family life and how much he really cared about his mom and his grandma and just how much he wanted to change the country based off his experiences with them. Uh, One of the things that kind of made me really sad, you know, it didn't tear me up, but really just put me down a little bit was how he regretted not being there for the death of his mother and about how she went into a coma and they didn't, you know, his sister called and was like, we don't know what's going to happen. And then he's like scrambling to get to Hawaii and just be there next to her because he's like, I know it's going to be any moment now. And then while doing it, he gets the call and it's just like, mom's gone. And he just felt like that was one of the biggest regrets I've ever had in my life because I love my mom to death and I couldn't even be there for her. The last memory of her was her life just deteriorating. Uh, just leading to hers is sucking ice cubes to, you know, get her mouth a little wet. And it's just really, really sad. It sucks to hear that. And it really just puts you in a broader perspective of just how he was as a person, just somebody who really cared, who was emotional, something that we don't see from a lot of black men uh, during that time in his presidency. Now, even before you know, back in the 2000s, you know, there was, you know, toxic masculinity was at an all time high. And I, I guess you can argue that it still is a thing now. It, like, it's definitely a thing. But, you know, you would have to compare to see how big it is nowadays with, you know, 2020 and a social justice movement. But the way how he just shares his emotions and he's just vulnerable to the reader is very cool. I thought it was dope. Uh, but then, like I said, part one was dope and part two was dope. And part two is just talking about his whole span into becoming a president. And what I thought was real interesting was Michelle Obama didn't want him to become president. He didn't want her to run for president because she thought they were at a good spot. You know, for his race to become senator of Illinois and through all of his other battles, they had to make a lot of sacrifices. And Barack had to look at himself in the mirror and was like, am I being a good father? Am I being a good husband? Am I even being a good person to the people that I love right now? And it really did put a strain into a relationship. It really was eye-opening for a lot of them. Now they feel like they're on top of the world. They're doing well. Barack is like, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing cool. We're getting money in. My book is selling well. I think would be cool. 
And then he's like, wait a minute, I want to do something more. I want to make another book, but I want to run for president. I think I got a really good shot. And Michelle is like, nigga, what the fuck are you talking about? Don't nobody want to do that shit right now. We're comfortable. Sit your ass down. <laughs> she, they even make this great analogy about having magical beans. And, you know, she was just like, you got some magical beans in your pocket, nigga? You got anything right there, man? You got something like that? I don't think so. Unless you got some magical beans, sit somewhere. And he's just like, I think I got some. And part two just talks about his whole experience. And at the end of the day, she's just like, you really did it. You really became president of the United States. That is amazing. Uh, he's just like, magic beans, baby. Know what I say? All right, let's go ahead and take this photo. I thought that was the best thing. Uh, that was the best thing leading up to it. But like his whole campaign to becoming president of the United States in 2008, uh, I thought it was really dope in detail, just about how he felt with Hillary Clinton facing off against her, trying to get the Democratic nomination, and then trying to face John McCain about how he gives respect to him. You know, there are some things that they don't agree with, but he always regarded John McCain as a true Republican, as someone who really did care about the country that was for the people, but just had different views. And I felt like that really was just a shot at Republicans nowadays because you don't really see that anymore. It's so radical for them. But I'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, he talk, he details his battles with John McCain. He details how it's like, you know, John McCain was a war hero. He was a POW. You know, he need Barack needs to find a way to, to stand himself out in the crowd. And he's like, OK, I'm going to take a, uh, you know, a couple trips around the world and talk to uh, foreign countries about how I want to want to want to do things. I'm going to survey the the American people and be like, this is what we need to do. Yes, we can. You know, and, and it's just like, I thought it was dope. I thought it was dope. Just detailing that entire that entire campaign about how he keeps continuing to credit people for getting him into the spot that he that he got in. I thought that was really nice. You know, he name drops a couple people and I definitely want to try to name drop them. But that means I got to read back in the book. And I, I just felt. That, again, that shows how much of a leader he is. But the time that he took to really think about strategies, to really get into certain uh, wins in the whole campaign throughout the year, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really, really nice to see. Uh, one thing that, that, that made me laugh was about how when he talks about the introduction of Sarah Palin, about how she represents the radical uh, Republican, the, ra the radical right that's now plaguing the country right now, which just leaves a little bit of foreshadowing. He definitely just straight up and says, as soon as I saw that woman take stage and speak, I knew I had this shit in the bag. <laughs> I knew, I knew as soon as she came up, I got this shit. I won. Don't even worry about it. And I thought that was really funny because there was a time where like people were just like, Sarah Palin was the biggest joke in the world. And SNL just kept making these funny ass sketches about her and i was just like god damn like i was too young to realize how crazy she was but now growing up i'm just like yeah she was kind of stupid but i feel like now she would become president a little bit more because of how crazy she is and that's just facts but um now you know it kind of goes in about the financial crisis and to the the first major thing in, in this way in this presidency and it happens before he even becomes president and there are some things regarding you know george bush 
Uh, also, John McCain, it didn't sit right with me about how they kind of just played Barack. And Barack had to learn that like people are not going to keep your word. People are not going to be so trustworthy no matter how nice they are because they're going to do it for their own gain. And it also kind of just shows how Barack was more prepared to become a leader of the free world rather than John McCain because he was just over here fumbling his words. He thought he had Barack in checkmate, but Barack would just come back and be like, no, I got you, nigga. And... John would just be sitting there just figuring out what to do. And uh, I thought it was cool that, you know, Barack also gave his uh, his comments about George Bush about, again, he's a true Republican. Uh, he felt like some of the stuff he did got into, our, into the mess that we we had at the time, you know, really sucked. But at the same time, George Bush really cared about the American people and was just trying to do the best he could. And I thought that was cool, too. But, yeah, that the. Part two ends with him becoming president about how he never thought he would see the day of a black president, including himself, uh, be real. And it really just said a whole, whole lot about him and about, you know, how hard he worked towards this. And he credits all these different people, including Michelle, to get him to that spot. So, again, parts one and part two, you know, were the best for me. Now, as for parts three through seven, I mean... There's a lot to be said here. And, and the one thing I'll say this to get off my chest. I'll be really honest with this. This is when the book like, was still a little bit of a memoir, but was more of a history lesson of his first four years of presidency. Not to say that's a bad thing, but I definitely got a little bored. And I'm not saying I got bored like at the first sentence he, he, he wrote into wrote into this book. It was more around like part six, like halfway into part six. I was just ready to get this book over with. Not because I was just trying, not only because I was trying to uh, go ahead and do this discussion with you guys, but really I just felt like there's so much detail. There's so much stuff that he puts into this book. It doesn't feel like he's doing too much, but it definitely seems like that. Like he adds a little bit of things that I didn't feel like were necessary, like a little, like a lot of little stuff. And I was just like, yeah, you didn't have to. But that's just him. He goes super into detail about the events of his presidency in his first full term. And as while as I appreciate that, I felt like some stuff could have been taken out. But yeah, no, like the rest of the book is just talking about in order how he talks about the financial crisis, how he's trying to get troops back home, back home from Afghanistan, from the war, from the unwinnable war they kept talking about. You know, talks about the different Republicans in the House of Representatives and in the Senate that blocked him from doing all the things he wanted to do. He then talks about Obamacare and how Republicans were trying to tackle him, tackle him to, to not pass that and how they were trying to create controversy and all this stuff to say that he wasn't being a good president. He then talks about how more. Well, he talks more about the financial crisis. My God, he talks so much about the financial crisis, which was a big part of his first term. I'm not going to lie. He talks about climate change. He talks about trying to push the globalization effort into other foreign countries, specifically China, Russia, and the Middle East. Those are the big things. Uh, trying to fix the whole, you know, European, you know, economic depression that was going on over there, or the recession, really, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say this, it was cool to know more about the whole decline and the effects of the financial crisis that it had on America. 
You know, he spends a time in this book uh, going into detail about how he would get these letters from pe- from the American people. And it was about how, you know, some people would be angry at him. Some people would be confused about what's going on. Others would just be like, I thought I was doing well. I thought the American dream was getting a wife, having two kids, a dog, getting a nice house, and then I'm all good, having a good job. But I, that doesn't seem to be the thing. So I don't even know what the American dream is. So what am I supposed to do, President? What am I supposed to do? I thought that was a good thing to put in this book. And it gives you a perspective of what he was dealing with and what he was fighting for. And I'll tell you something else. The foreshadowing in this in this goddamn book is astonishing. Like he goes in and talks about a point that he doesn't go into full, full detail. And then later on down the book, it becomes this major importance for like a chapter or two. And it's just like besides the financial crisis, he talks about the the the, the public health crisis that took part in this. And I don't know if he added this in this year or not, but the fact that you get to know about how he had a whole uh, pandemic or epidemic contingency plan, like playbook to tackle this after dealing with the H1N1 pandemic. It's astonishing how we had this and we're in the shit that we're in now. It's crazy. He details about how the H1N1 virus kind of ravaged throughout the world and how it wasn't as crazy as COVID, but it had the potential to be like COVID. And he goes ahead and makes a playbook. He ga- he gathers everybody else. He makes it super serious to the fact we have to take this shit seriously. And he goes in and tackles that. And it's just like, boom, we're good. Now we have to keep in surveillance. We have to put funding into the public health sectors. We have to do everything we can to make sure this doesn't happen again. Or if it does happen again, we minimize the problem as soon as we can. And then Donald Trump took money away from those sectors, from the public health projects, saying we don't need a playbook on a pandemic because we're not going to have one under his watch. And we're in a fucking pandemic. How crazy is that, my guy? That's fucking crazy. But yeah, like he talks about shit that in the book. And I was just like, wow, we're I'm reading this book during the whole pandemic. And I guess that didn't work out well. I thought that was like that easily may have been one of the best things in this book just because of that. But nah, like he talks about all of these different things that he had to tackle with in detail. You know, another thing that took me that took me uh, in an interesting way was just how he viewed the Republican Party about how it was transforming from this you know, pro-American, you know, work for, like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, you know, trying to work hard for the American people to just conspiracy theorist field, you know, loaded, like, conspiracy theorist field party that's all about throwing fear-based reactions into you, um, trying to get you to be afraid of what was outside of America, you know, disregard anything about human ethics you know trying to be connected with other people and he was just like it's crazy and how this really started to grow was because of republican pundits or conspiracy theorists going on talk shows or on the internet and just bad mouthing not only him but the democratic party and, and, and the government and that's when he talks a little bit more about the tea party movement you guys like you guys remember about right the tea party movement that that bullshit that 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 stupid stuff that people was going on and on about yeah yeah he talks about a little about that and i literally forgot about the tea party 
when he brought that up and I was like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that. And that was a big part in this book that I found it kind of interesting because he revisits that a little bit throughout the time because in his first four years, it was a big thing he had to tackle. Uh, But then he goes in about the troops and about he details soldiers uh, going into, you know, going into war and coming back uh, half the person they were. You know, he goes in, talks about how he wanted to change so many things, but Republicans weren't budging. That was cool. He describes Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell in such of like a respectful but disparaging petty way. But again, it's very it's very respectful. Well, you know, it was disrespectful, but he says in a very respectful way. So he's still cool. But yeah. um, Yeah, he talks about, you know, different Republicans. And then I think the big thing that kind of just. Well, the the one topic at hand that I really didn't care so much about, like I cared, but not as much as everything else in this book was the globalization effort, because it leads into him just putting in so many details about, the, you know, China, you know, the Middle East and Russia and all these different countries and how he wanted to fight for global peace. Which, I mean, some parts were cool, and other parts I was just like, nah, I'm cool. I didn't need this to be that detailed. I mean, the one part of it that I thought was cool, was interesting, was all about Russia and Vladimir Putin. Uh, Knowing a little bit more about why Vladimir Putin is a little bit, you know, concerning to the American people because of how he got into power and what he's done, about how... He was looking towards being the prime minister of Russia. Um, I think it's prime minister. I hope it is. Oh, my God. What a leader. I'll just say the leader. He becomes the leader of Russia. And he was transitioning into this era where it was like, you know, the remnants of Soviet Russia uh, into more of like this democratic leaning country. And he's just like, no, they've ruined it. And he basically is trying to revert that back into into what he was you know, hoping to be in and about how his approval rating never drops below 60%. It's always high. Um, I thought that was interesting because I never really paid attention to it throughout his presidency. And I thought something like that really gives you the perspective and, you know, finally the, the evidence to show that Russia is a, is a, is a country to be wary about besides uh, what they do in our elections or just a, consistent hacking that they do in terms of just other countries problems and businesses i thought that was that was something i took away from this that i thought was cool uh but again that part of the book was really detailed and it did make me feel a little sleepy at times i'm not gonna lie listen i'm gonna say this in this book in this whole discussion do not be afraid to say when a book bores the fuck out of you this book didn't bore the fuck out of me, but at some points it did. And I had to like stop my audible to make sure that it wasn't past my bedtime because I was reading this book sometimes in the middle of the day and working out. And I started getting tired out of, you know, the words he was speaking. And I know it's autobiography. I know he wants to put in all this stuff, but like, damn, he put in so much that I, I, I was just like, I, it took, it took, the, it took the interested of me, myself away from this book and that's just something i got to be honest about because it's like as much credit as i give him for writing a really good piece of literature i have to be honest that this book kind of made me sleepy 
Uh, it was really detailed for what it was. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if you guys listen to my movie review of Love Jones, I one of my major complaints was how little detailed it was. But this is kind of like an example of what happens when you make something too detailed. The only difference is this is an autobiography, so he's trying to fit in everything. But at the same time, yeah, man, this was kind of, I got a little tired. It took me away a little bit. But again, like the last parts, he talks about more about foreign policy, racism in America. Uh, He makes this cool little, you know, reflection about the whole, you know, Harvard professor against a police officer situation where he bites him to a, to a beer session where it's dubbed beer gate. You know, he talks more about Republican pundits and radio show hosts and, you know, political rivals. And then later on talks about how, how he felt about killing Osama bin Laden, which I thought was cool. Like I remember a lot of, uh, news stations and newspapers made a big deal about how that was part of the book. And I was like, and eh, no, I'm more interested about other stuff. And I think that's just me. I'm just, I was against popular opinion and that's what I wanted to do. But yeah, I mean, what I can take away from this book, besides all the things I've said now, is that Barack Obama is very much a very capable leader. And if you're talking shit about him in any way, shape, or form, I feel like, A, you may have some legitimate reasons to why, and he kind of like talks about that in the book about he could have been better. But B, I really feel like you're talking shit because you trying to be that one edgy guy or that one person who's a quote-unquote diversion thinker you know you know what i'm talking about the same people who think that uh black people have a different genetic code that's gonna make them into basically the x-men oh <laughs> uh, i'm just uh yeah that's a whole different episode but yeah a lot of people uh during his pre- like a lot of people after his presidency not during but after had said that barack obama was not a good president because of what he's done for black people and just that he's just kind of like selfish or he talks about himself a whole lot more, you know, and it's not just from white people. It's from black people, too. Like, I've seen it all the time on Instagram and on social media. I've heard it sometimes at Morehouse. And it's just like, yeah, like people talk shit about him sometimes. And reading this book doesn't really validate that at all. It validates that he's a team player, that he fights for the people you know, he gives credit where credit is due. He's a hard worker. He's human. And that he did the best he could during his first four years, his eight years, his first four years in this book, particularly. Uh, and he tried to do everything he could. And there are some things that he couldn't because he had obstacles in his way that were really irritating to get through, like Republicans and just foreign policy. And there are other things that he put so much effort into. And at the end of the day, when he got it to where it needed to be, people still complained because it wasn't perfect. And, and that's just something you take away from this book that like in his perspective, it's very all of it that he everything he says is very much valid. And you can't, you can't disagree with him in a lot of things. It's just like, yeah, if you're in that situation, when like if you're in that situation as the president, there are so many things that you have to fight against. And there are so many things out of your control that you can do so much that, and it still doesn't go your way. You just got to live with it. Like there's a part in this book where he's with his friends in the white house. They just shoot 
pool and they just talk about so many things all the controversies uh regarding against him and now he's just like it's just a full of crap i wish i could do something about it but i can't because it'll just put me in a in a, in a worse image than it is now and i know this isn't true but i can't change people's minds because they're sticking to it you know which kind of talks about now where people love to pick sides but and also stay true to what they really think, even though if it's fucking stupid. Um, I thought, honestly, this book really proved that he was a good leader. Not to say that he was the perfect leader in the world, but he was very much cap- more capable than a lot of other people we've had in this these, these last 20 years. You know, George Bush didn't really do shit. He just fucked a lot of things up. Then we had Barack Obama that fixed a lot of those things and then added some more stuff into it. And then Donald Trump just kind of fucked that all up, didn't he, huh? And, and he did that just because he didn't like Barack Obama's ideas, his president, you know, his precedence and, and all that stuff. I just felt like, yeah, man, like if I could have him again, I'd take him. And I feel like reading this book opens new ideas about him new perspectives that you can't disagree with even if this book is long as hell i'll tell you right now i felt like after reading this book i would have to go back to morehouse go to a class that he was lecturing for one day bring my book and i would have to do an open book test with like 200 questions, not only like common knowledge about his life, but like a whole open-ended thesis about how I feel things could have gone differently using his book as references. Like I felt like I was going to take a goddamn test and write a research essay about this shit after I finished this. That's how long the book it is. That's how long the book is. It's crazy, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I disliked it. I really like this book. If I had to give a book a rating right now if i had to give this book a rating i'd give it like a four out of five uh yeah i have well no let me go i gotta be honest i give it like a 3.9 out of five you know i think everything about this book is great but i can't deny the fact that it was really really long and sometimes there are some things that are a little bit unnecessary i cannot lie about that that's how i felt with this book um yeah man that's a, that's the whole discussion. That's my whole thing about A Promised Land. I very much enjoyed it. Would I read it again? I would go back in for some references and try to tie things back in. Uh, but I would, it would take some something to make me read this book again from beginning to end. Uh, will I be picking up his second book regarding his second pres- second term as president? Hell yes. And I'll do another discussion when the time comes. And I'll be waiting for that shit for a good, 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 good minute. (sighs) But yeah, man, that's my discussion on Barack Obama's A Promised Land, the autobiography regarding his first four years as president, including his first couple of years of just being a politician. Uh, I'm glad you guys can go ahead and sit down and listen to what I had to say and what I thought about the book. If you guys had anything else you want to say about the book yourselves, if you've read this book, if you want to think about reading this book, if you don't want to read this book for certain reasons, go ahead and DM me at 615 underscore chill and tell me your reasons, thoughts, concerns and considerations and everything else 
above. That's all I can really say. Goddamn. Uh, but don't go away. Don't go away. Oh my God, I can't speak. That's what happens when you go ahead and make a podcast late at night. But don't go away yet. I still got some more stuff I want to update at you on. Uh, if you guys have looked at my story, I went ahead and gave you kind of like the weekly schedule of what's going on. So kind of like recap that, reiterate it. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have a review for the movie Parasite that won Best Motion Picture on the Oscars last year. Uh technically this year because you know 2020 but it was for the 2019 categories so yeah i'm gonna review that movie tomorrow i thought it was amazing i thought it was dope uh then friday i'm gonna do a review on the cold classic black dynamite one of my favorite movies of all time gonna go ahead and give you my perspective my thoughts on the movie on the second viewing more like the 10th viewing to be exact and then saturday be on the lookout on medium.com and www.themidnightdrop.com for my new blog post about bet a rant research-based discussion regarding the existence and the usefulness of bet uh from the beginning of its inception all the way up to now in this new era of just crazy shit yeah, that's all I got for right now for the Midnight Drop this week. But I'm glad you guys can go ahead and stick with me in this new episode. I'm glad you guys can go ahead and want to hear my thoughts on this book. And uh, thank you guys so much for all the people who listened to my last couple episodes since starting this back up. I've been really appreciative of you guys just being attentive to this. If you guys have any comments, concerns, considerations, and uh, rage that you want to go ahead and throw at me regarding the podcast so far go ahead and dm me again at 615 underscore chill or you guys can go ahead and just email me at you know jordancamon at gmail.com i'll be more than happy to respond uh but that is it guys thanks so much for listening this is jordan malone i'm your host for the midnight drop tune in tomorrow for the review of parasite i'm out with you in three two one peace No tags, no tags.